Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm in the Spurgeon Library studio with Ronnie Kurtz. We have a very important topic to talk about today, but first, something just as important, <laughs> technology. Oh, goodness. I, we, we, I will be shocked if this episode actually records because we're in here for the first time flying without a safety net. Yeah, no our AV coordinator. No, yeah, our, our engineer, uh, maestro wizard, Matt Hines, is not with us, and he just expects we know what we're doing. That's right. I'm pushing buttons on this board. I don't know what they do. Hey, look at that. <laughs> There's uh we got effects and hopefully this is this is recording. I was just explaining I I I know there has to be like a memory card. Yeah. Is that what you call it? it uh, yeah, it's and a memory so card. And I was card. saying before we were recording, <laughs> I was saying I think there's got to be like a little thing in here. <laughs> and Ronnie said that's what I, how I sound when I go to the mechanic. There's like a thing that goes in the it, thing. There's, a, there's this thing wrong. I can't tell you what it is or where it is. I I'm growing by leaps and bounds, brother, because and I do the same thing. Um, you know, you do the sound effect. That's right. It's yeah. making this <laughs> sound or whatever. Um, I recently I I had to change a circuit breaker in my breaker box. At I saw my you house. post about this. Yeah, but I was worried I posted for you. about it because I thought this could be. I want to memorialize <laughs> this. this is the event. end of Jared Wilson. My wife did not want me to call anybody. I was like, "You've known me for twenty five <laughs> years, <laughs> so either you're gunning for some insurance money, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, what like, makes you think I'm capable? It's been a good run. We've got, we've had enough. <laughs> she was like, "Just look at some YouTube, <laughs> which is what everybody does. Oh right? my word! So that's what I did. I watched a couple of videos on YouTube. And let me tell you, these guys, they don't just do the thing. They talk to, about the thing for like – each of these videos are like 11 minutes long, which is a lot longer than I wanted to spend. That's right. Trying yeah. to, so you got to take the little panel off and all I'm thinking – so I've been electrocuted twice in my life. I, I, I promise. So me and electricity don't – even like wintertime, static electricity, my kids make fun of me because it hurts. <laughs> I get hurt on static. I I should have superpowers. But I've I've electrocuted myself twice in my yeah. life. Yeah. And so I have this sort of like nervous tick about electricity. And here's That's my wife rational. saying, go to the source of electricity in our home <laughs> <laughs> and, and stick metal tools into the thing. So on the YouTube, they say you flip the big on switch. The YouTube, on the YouTube. You've got to stop saying I went that. On, I went on the YouTube. <laughs> I called YouTube. For I years. called YouTube. And uh, they said, you know, if you do the if you do the big switch at the top, yeah. it turns the power off. Okay. And, but in my brain, that didn't make sense. That's right. <laughs> what made sense was that turns the power off to the rest of the board, but it doesn't turn the power coming to the board, right? So there's got to be still like gallons of electricity or whatever. <laughs> that is definitely how you measure. I don't know what the measurement is. There's got to be like gallons of electricity it's coming to this board. And I'm going to be sticking like my screwdriver in there. Yeah. And so, but long story short, I changed the breaker. It worked. I, it worked. Yeah, you did it. Now wow. we had to reorder. Like I ordered something off of Amazon, off of <laughs> off of the Amazon. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, uh, because we had to replace the circuit breaker, basically. Yeah. And I ordered one that that all the all the you know yokels on the on the comments said this replaces the thing you know perfectly, and it didn't replace the thing perfectly. Wow. So I had to send that back and get a, a new one. So it took a few days, uh, you know, to get that back, just like in the old times. Yeah, when 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 the pioneers would get on Amazon, it would just take two days to get a <laughs> to get their electricity working. Listeners, if you didn't know, Jared Wilson is a hundred years old. Yes, right. He says things like the YouTube. <laughs> but brother, we have it worked. Look I, at I you. Did, I didn't kill myself. I'm proud of you. I'm friend. still here. The thing's plugged in. 
and uh, my wife's dryer. That was the thing. It was the dryer. Yeah. And, uh, and and here's how stupid I am. So the dryer's having trouble. It's 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 flipping the breaker basically. So I Google. I go on the Google <laughs> and like why why would a dryer trip a breaker? And it was like and it said the heating element is probably shorting out, and so it like signals the break. And I'm like okay. So I call the guy to come repair the dryer. I tell him like I know like I, it's the heating element. It's shorting out the break. <laughs> I didn't say Google told me. I just said I'm pretty sure it's the heating element. So like, you know, because when those guys come like, oh yeah. I mean, they you know, like you you don't want to look like some guy that could be taken, you know, That's for right. a ride, yeah. right? So I'm just like pretty sure it's the heating element is That's what right. I said. And uh the guy's like, "All right." And he gets in there and he comes out and he's like, "Nothing's wrong with your dryer. It's probably the breaker." And and uh um, sure I knew that. I know. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, oh." I I I was wondering like maybe he would do it. Like I didn't know what it meant like what's wrong with the breaker? You just, you yeah. know, like twist something and and uh um, I was like, "Is that something you can do?" He's like, "No, I'm on, I'm the appliance guy." And I was like, "Oh, man, I got to get another guy." Which is when my wife had the idea of like, "Not another guy. Yeah, it's, you're the it's guy. Heated. You I'm are the, the guy. man." So, I don't know. And if I, you know, died of like, you know, of electric shock, she could marry a guy who knows how to do all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> that would have been priority number one. Yeah, and not a guy who's like, "Are my do I have rubber soles on my shoes right now?" <laughs> I mean, to the T, brother. I was like, I, I was making sure there's no water on the ground. <laughs> I'm sticking a screwdriver in the breaker box. I'm this making is sure. Amazing. I want to die with some good clothes on. And well, that was a good podcast episode. Let's, just, right. let's just shut it down there. That was a great story. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I just – it's it's some local flavor. I love it. Yeah. So don't steal that story. And on that note – Oh, man. Are you living the traditions? The we are talking about pastors and plagiarism today. Why – man, where do people get off? <laughs> First of all, how First dare you? First of all, how dare you? This is a deal. I'm actually – routinely shocked that that this is a thing yeah it's been a thing for a while um so just to you know set it up probably 10 years ago i think i was in vermont when this was going on uh a friend of mine called me and uh said he was concerned that i was friends with another guy this is going to get really confusing but essentially this guy is partnering yeah with a uh, a guy who used to be his pastor and ha- and disqualified himself, at least according to the church. They you know kick him out of the church for unrepentant plagiarism of sermons. Essentially, the guy was wow. re-preaching John Piper sermons, and they called him on it. And he said, "Oh yeah, I'm, you know, I was just tired and and I didn't know what else to do, and I won't do it again." And then he kept doing it, which to me is like mind boggling. That after you're caught, that to me is like almost like a gambling addiction <laughs> yeah, or something. I it's don't like understand. you want to get caught yeah. or something. Um, and so he got fired. And then my uh, another friend was partnering with him in some kind of ministry. And so this other friend called him and was like, Hey, you need to know this. And I was like, People do that? I, like, I, it hadn't even occurred to me that you would do that. Yeah. That, that, like, that, that, you know, would be a thing. And then about, oh, a month or so ago, uh, a friend of mine in New York messaged me to say, Hey, I know this other guy in my city. He's a friend of mine. He pastors another <clears> church. Um, every, you know, I, I listened to his sermons online and he, he's plagiarized. I know he's plagiarizing sermons now. He's preaching other people's sermons. He's like, well, what do I do? Do I confront him about it? And, and so, um, there's been a few things about books and things, mm-hmm. you know, pastors who use ghost writers. Maybe you don't consider that plagiarism necessarily. Um, but there's been some high profile incidences of plagiarism in, um, in published books and those sorts of things. Sometimes there, you know, um, it doesn't make it okay necessarily, but it's explained away by, you know, um, maybe you would just say laziness, but just careless, uh, citation. Someone wasn't mm-hmm. intentionally trying. 
Um, I do think we can draw a line between people who are intentionally trying to pass off another's work as their own versus someone who has a careless research assistant or they themselves forgot to copy and paste a citation. And when called on it, they immediately say, oh, yeah, I can't believe I did that, you know. But then there are others who just they really they take other people's work and they put their name on it. Mm -hmm. It happens a lot in the blog world. Um, Why do you think that's a deal? Man, why is it happening? It, I, to be honest, Jared, I, this one, this one kind of blows my mind because it, when you think about sermons specifically, yeah, w- what I think about is there are two things that are so vital to being a healthy pastor. There's, there's more than that, obviously, but the two things that are really vital to be a healthy pastor are one, you know, your people, and you want to shepherd them, you want to be in the valley with them, you want to, you know, uh, burp carry their burdens. You just want to take care of them. You want to actually to shepherd them. And two, that you are with the Lord, that you are letting the Lord deal with you, that you are repentant, that you are are walking in Christian maturity. And I think ripping off someone else's sermon robs you both of those joys. Mm. Because I have found in pastoral ministry that when I am struggling over a text and I'm thinking through exegetical nuances and I'm thinking through pastoral nuances of how do I bring this text to bear for my people, that's really when the Lord works in me. Um, often is on a, a Tuesday afternoon when I'm trying to focus on a sermon. And the thought of like taking someone else's work is going to rob both me of the ability to have that, you know, work from the Lord and my people from having a pastor who's actually taking care of their actual needs. And I, I think the the propensity to steal a sermon is is very much to me admitting that you are pastoring a people in general, but not a people in particular. Mm. And and I think that that's a problem. Um, saying that, you know, John Piper is an amazing preacher. He has absolutely changed my life in a number of ways. I'm I'm eternally grateful for that brother. But he doesn't know my people. Yeah. And he doesn't know their needs. And he's not the the shepherd that God has put over my people's life. And I am. And I do know those those people. I do know their needs. And when I'm preaching on Sunday. I'm not, you know, preach. I'm not writing my sermon as if I don't know the problems of the people or I don't know their first names. You know, I'm writing. I have people in mind when I'm writing and I'm praying that they're going to be in service and I'm praying they're going to hear it and they're going to respond to it. And um, I, I don't want to ever be the preacher who's preaching to a, a people, an idea of a people yeah. or an ethereal people. But I want to preach to particular people with real names and real problems. And plagiarizing your sermon just, just absolutely rips you from all of those joys. And um, so, so to answer your question, I don't know. I have no clue uh, why someone would do this outside of I, I do want to be careful. I don't want to oversay this because if there's a brother listening to this who is who is struggling with, you know, a serious sorrow or, or time management, um, I don't want them to feel utterly condemned. I, I want them to hear, uh, brother, you're, you're sacrificing joy. You're leaving joy on the field. Because there's joy in pastoral ministry and there's joy in actually leading your people. And so repent and, and, and start leading your people. Yeah. I think as a recurring issue, certainly in, you know, even one instance of passing off someone else's work as your own is dishonesty. Yeah. It's, it's a form of lying essentially, but as a repeated pattern, like this is how I work. And some people, um, they don't see it as dishonest at all. And in fact, they're somewhat transparent about it, which is to say, well, these sermons are successful here. Um, and there's even some churches that give their sermons away. Some of, yeah. some, you know, some of the attractional um, churches that provide as resources, not just the um, 
uh, you know, the packaging, they do like the sermon series graphics and everything. And you can just go download all that stuff so you can do it at yeah. your church. But the sermon outlines and sometimes the sermon manuscripts and you just re-preach and they think, well, the Lord blessed it there. You know, um, it's an act of humility, actually, that I'm, you know, doing it here. Yeah. And and so they're very forthright about it. But not only is it dishonest, I think as a pattern, it's it's disqualifying right. because one of the hallmarks of the qualifications for the pastor is is able to teach. That's right. And if over time you're essentially just parroting what someone else has, um, you know, created and crafted, uh, able to teach doesn't simply mean able to com- to uh, communicate or perform. It means that you're actually able to rightly divide the word of God. That's right. That you, you you're you're able to apply the word of God as you said to your local congregation. Um, that you're doing the work. You know, this is the work that defines pastoral ministry, ministry of the word and prayer. And so if if you're not engaged in the ministry of the word, um, if you're just sort of regurgitating somebody else's ministry of the word over, we have cause to say, maybe you're not qualified to be mm-hmm. a pastor. So, you know, is, is that the reason why you're doing this? Because mm-hmm. you don't have actually the gift to do it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of guys, they do, and they prefer to do someone else's. And I think sometimes it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fear-driven, it's a, you know, it's a sense of insecurity. So it's a fear-driven practice, um, the desire to be impressive. Yep, that's exactly Like, I right. could do this, but it won't be as good as what Craig Grishel has done. Yeah. And his is successful, so I want to, you know, I'm going to take that because it's better than what I could do, mm-hmm. um, which totally misunderstands what it is that changes people. It's not your eloquence or your creativity. It's, it's the gospel. Mm-hmm. You can't improve on that. Um, and so, I, yeah, yeah, like you, I think there's probably a variety of, of reasons for it. And some could be time management issues. Like I just don't have time to yeah. write the sermon. And so we could talk about, you know, prioritization, but essentially it's dishonesty leading to disqualification yeah. is, yeah. is what the practice is. Jared, what would you say? Just a question that I think is fascinating about this topic. What would you say for the pastor who, who would say something like, um, I'll even use your example. I know you've been really influenced as I have by Ray Ortland's preaching. Okay, well, if you listen to Ray Ortland week in, week out, Ray Ortland isms are going to kind of make their way into your yeah, mind. Yeah. And e- even when you're just being yourself, that those are kind of become a part of you. So w- what do you think the, the the responsibility of the pastor is in those circumstances? You know, they've listened to Brother X yeah. for years, and it's just kind of ingrained in who they are. Yeah, so I I think there's a difference between um, things that, that are somehow they become, um, you know— commonly spun wisdom or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, slogans. There's a lot of things, for instance, I think Tim Keller has probably contributed um, 98% of the little, (laughs) you know, slogans and, and, and things in the gospel center tribe, right? The gospel is not the, the ABCs of the Christian life. The gospel is the A to Z. Yeah. And you, I've seen countless people say that they never cite him. And am I like, are they plagiarizing him? Well, it's just one, it's one of those things that, like, okay, there's an origin to it, but it's kind of now out in the ether. Yeah. To me, what makes it wrong is if you know and you don't cite, and so you're trying to pass it off as your own. That's good. I think that's different. So obviously yeah. we're all going to be influenced by the people that we most listen to. Um, and so if you're intentionally recreating or you know that was a Ray Ortland quote and I didn't, I didn't cite him, mm-hmm. now you're being deceptive. But if things are coming out naturally because you're just feeding on it, first of all, you should be cautious about that to begin with, mm-hmm. that if you have a steady diet of one voice, mm. that's going to happen. And so you should be cautious about that, that you're not even unintentionally essentially 
channeling some, you know, somebody else's insights. Uh, but I think if it's unintentional, if, if it's like, Oh, I didn't know who said that. It's yeah. just out in the ether. When I was writing my book, Gospel Wakefulness, I was convinced I, I didn't invent that phrase. And I still, I'm not really convinced <laughs> that I invented it, but I, I thought, you know, someone else has talked about this surely and used this language, the, you know, the phrase gospel wakefulness. I was sure I'd heard it somewhere else and I wanted to be really clear. So I like, I did a um, internet search for yeah. the phrase. I could find no um, instance of the phrase other than my own blogs. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I don't think the concept is original to me, but it looks like maybe the wording is to me. But I, I just wanted to do my due diligence of course. because as a writer, especially, um, I take sort of intellectual property, you know, really seriously. Um, and I want to be seen as original in some sense. Um, and so when someone has a good idea or, you know, phraseology, I want them to have the credit for it yeah. because it, it comes out of their experience and their wisdom. Where would you draw the line, Ronnie, would you say? So I've heard people say like, oh, yeah, you should never like copy a, somebody's sermon and preach a sermon word for word or anything. Um, but like illustrations or something, I've heard anecdotally, I've never noticed this myself, um, you know, not that uh, it hasn't happened and I just didn't know. But I've heard people say, I heard a guy give a story once and he told it from the first person. Like my wife and I went shopping and we did it, you know, all these sort of things. I don't remember what the story was, but, and they said, I heard the exact same story from another yeah. preacher, you know, two years uh, on a podcast or whatever, two years earlier, told the exact same way, first person. Yeah. And so this guy created the, uh, the, uh, out of his imagination, like he, he, he copied someone else's experience. That's right. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't even original to the first guy, but the second guy, <laughs> Passed it off as his own, yeah. You know, personal experience. What, is is that plagiarism, or you is know, he just recreating the illustration? I would say this is this is being a bit frank. Even if it's not plagiarism, it's just weird. <laughs> like, yeah, don't be weird. Don't do that. That is weird. I think it's plagiarism. Yeah, I, I do as well. Yeah. And my wife and I, like, you didn't know that's you're not lying. true. <laughs> yeah, you're single, brother. <laughs> well, okay, that would just be kidding. obvious, but <laughs> no, I think that's. That's, that is plagiarism and it's strange. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't affect the sermon at all to say, I know a brother who. Yes. Like you get the same effect. I don't get that. Yeah. So there was a great story that I re, that I, I retold in, in my book, The Gospel According to Satan. Um, and essentially, so it wasn't the guy's story, but the first person I heard it from was Tim Keller. Yeah. Preaching at the Gospel Coalition Conference. And he was talking about Dick Lucas talking about Billy Graham. <laughs> preaching at Cambridge. And it was a fantastic story. It was so moving. Keller ended his, his uh, plenary talk with, with this. And it was basically Billy Graham preaching the blood and, and yeah. the blood was flowing all over the Cambridge auditorium and, you know, and, and I, it, it, it was such a powerful story. I wanted to put it in the chapter of my book. Well, I could have just retold the thing. Cause it, you know, Keller didn't create that. Yeah, he's that's right. he's yeah. talking about what Dick Lucas wrote about. And so I could have just cited Dick Lucas or I could have just told the story because none of them own history. Right. I yeah. just told the story, but I thought I I want to give credit like where I got this yeah. so that no one's like, man, Jared really is really insightful pulling from history. These things. <laughs> it was I heard Tim Keller, you know. And so in a footnote, basically, I say I first heard this anecdote from Tim Keller at the Gospel Coalition Conference, cited the message where he did it and said, I've tried to recreate it according to his recollection mm-hmm. um, in the thing. And so. It was just a way of saying, like, when you come up with a good illustration, it's it's so great, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't come up with that. That's right. Someone else came up with it, and I thought it would be useful. So rather than try to pass it off as my own resourcefulness, I credit, you know, Tim Keller's resourcefulness um, in that regard. And I think even I, I, 
I think reusing somebody's illustration as if it's your own, first of all, it's dishonest because it that didn't happen to you. If you're saying I went to the thing, you, you're making it up. Mm-hmm. You you could easily make it third person. I know of a guy who went to it yeah. and, and tell the story that way. Same effect. But if you're trying to make it personal, that's dishonest. But it's also, in a sense, lazy as well that you're not coming up with your own illustrations. Mm-hmm. You're borrowing without without credit. Um, yeah, I mean, are there other like? Is there a line though? Is there such a thing as, you know? So how do you know if um, if something's free to use without credit and and when it's not? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it seems <clears throat> from my research that Charles Spurgeon is free to use without credit. <laughs> a lot of people do that. Yeah. Uh, no, I so I manuscript my sermons. Well, let me just stop it right there. Go ahead. So Charles Spurgeon lived in a day where they did not have the internet, right? I yeah. think I'm right. They didn't, have the, right. they didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have then. the Google. They didn't have the Googles back then. And so I'm not giving anybody a pass. Yeah. But imagine you're Spurgeon. You're thinking, I want to quote this. And there's no, like, Google books. How difficult it might be and how much time it might take to search down mm-hmm. the credit. So are you saying he would just say the thing or would he say, like, somebody once said or no, something I'm like saying, that? No, I'm saying – what I'm saying, my joke is that people plagiarize Spurgeon Oh, all I the thought time. you were saying Spurgeon plagiarized. Yeah. Okay. Well – there you, is an instance of that too. Okay. I, I did find one uh, instance where he preached almost word for word a John Gill sermon. Oh, um, yeah, Spurge. Yeah, he was probably fifteen years so old. These walls going to fall down on us. Right <laughs> that's now. right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. No, I, I mean people plagiarizing Spurgeon. That oh, I think oh that, sure, that happens a lot. He's oh, the, for sure, one of the most quotable Christians. No, I, I, I have found. I think this is another argument for manuscripting, mm. um, because I, I manuscript my sermons and. Um, it, it just allows me to be upfront with where my sources are. I can actually cite. You, you mentioned a footnote earlier, and I was going to make a joke about how this is the great part about being a, a theologian in the academy is that we have footnotes. But we can just <laughs> we can just footnote the thing to death, yeah. You know, and say I, I heard it from this brother, who heard it from that brother, who heard it from right, that right. brother. But manuscripting actually kind of allows you to do that. And and I have found sometimes when I'm actually delivering the sermon that it actually it can be distracting to give a long story about how you received the 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 story. Sure. Or, or even uh, maybe a particular theologian uh, would be distracting to name because of a controversy. Or even you, you, you're not in a church setting where they don't really care. They don't give a rip about what you know. They don't care if you're quoting D. A. Carson yeah. from Joe yeah. Schmo. And so I've often said, I, I, one commentator said, yes. or one theologian said, yeah. But you're, but you're not taking it as your right. own insight. That's right. Yeah. I, I'm tipping the whole audience off to know the things that I'm about to say are not for me. Yeah. And I, I just found it to be helpful. And I think that's okay in preaching yeah. because you, you're not claiming that it's your own thought. So just because you're not, you know, doing the entire citation of what book it was in and what page number, so right. like you can't do that when you're preaching anyway. So if you can't say N.T. Wright said because you know your audience and that would be a distraction, they're not able to discern like, mm-hmm. oh, sometimes N.T. Wright's right, sometimes he's wrong. It's just, oh, he's N.T. Wright, he's crazy. Uh, so you don't want to say that. You would say, you know, one theologian said or yeah. something like that. And uh, so essentially you're attributing it to somebody, but you're not that's right. citing it. I think that's fine in preaching. You know, certainly in writing, you want to actually of course, cite, yeah, you know, of course. what would you do? But in 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 preaching, which is you know the oral art form, I think I think that's fine. It's it's when you're you know uh, blurring those lines and not giving mm-hmm. any you know any kind of uh, um, source or yeah. that you're not secondary in the source. Um, one thing that we're seeing um, even right now, like even as we record this, there's. Um, um, uh, you know, a, a famous guy. I guess he's famous. It's weird. Like, today people can be famous and you never heard of him. Isn't that weird? It's like, it's like he's an influencer. Like, who's the influence? Yeah. You know, he's influencing yeah. people on Instagram is what it is. But anyway, 
Um, he's a, a pastor, I suppose. I'd never heard of him until I read this story, um, but he's got millions of followers. And um, and he's under fire for quotes. It's a big thing. You do these, like, quote graphics and yeah. quotes. And, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. We do quote. I That's do right. quote stuff. You do quote stuff. We do these things at the seminary. Those of us who write, the you know, publisher will make little quote graphics for you from your books. This guy's doing quotes, but he's doing other people's quotes with his name under him. So not like the Michael Scott. This is an office reference I get. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Michael Scott. Scott. (laughs) You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. So he's not taking someone else's quote and citing them and then putting his name under that. He's erasing their name entirely and putting his name. What in the world? And it's now coming out like, what are you doing? And he's built this sort of platform on plagiarism. I won't name any names here. But I was in a PhD seminar once. And – uh, a brother was delivering a paper, and uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't really well written. Okay, and there there was a turn in the paper that became well written, <laughs> and I thought this does not sound like the first twelve pages of yeah. this essay. And so I just googled the first couple of lines on the the pages that were well written, and it's it was word for word yep. from from a source, and about three paragraphs worth, and. <laughs> I thought it took me 15 seconds to figure this out. What what I don't understand about plagiarism in 2020 is yeah. how you think you're going to get away with it. That is exactly right. First of all, God love the guy who thought that he could get away with that. But secondly, how I don't yeah, I'm assuming I, how dumb do you have to be to think that people won't notice that you suddenly started <laughs> sounding like Aristotle? You know what I mean? Do you think you normally sound like that? You went from Fled Flintstone to Aristotle. That's how did this happen? That's how dumb you are that you think you think it's just seamless. Yeah. It sounds just like me. <laughs> that somebody will, will be like, oh, that took a turn. That's right. This is not Suddenly the same you're talking writer. about the lacuna of, you know. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, so like it's hard to put my <laughs> it's hard to put my brain in in that skull and figure and figure that out. But I'm looking at this guy like wh- why would you need to do this? Yeah. And and it's a it's a need to, to be impressive. It's um you know the whole internet fame thing yeah. is such a big deal right now. Um and has been right you know I suppose for a while. Um but it just shows how how easily we're able to take mm-hmm. someone else's creativity and hard work and try to put our own name on it to make a name for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, if we kind of, you know, send you away with anything today, um, those of you who are listening is you, you're probably not the guy out there who's taking a John Piper sermon and passing it off as his own or a Matt Chandler sermon and passing it off. You know, first of all, if you're going to steal, this is another thing. <laughs> Sorry, rabbit trail. <laughs> Take the two most famous preachers, yeah. like the guy who's preaching John Piper sermons. Like, do you not think anyone in your church yeah. has ever heard of John Piper? So like, it, you know, just as, uh, as you said, do they not think you can Google these things yeah. anymore? You're like find some guy who's good that no one's ever heard of yeah. and steal from him. If you're going to have, if you're going to be a, you know, a, or maybe a, don't steal. If you're going to be an unrepentant <laughs> cheat, well, that was my next note, but if you're going to be an unrepentant cheat and a no good disqualified bum, wow, there pick we go. Somebody that no one's ever heard of, but more importantly, don't do that. Yeah, that's just right. Put, just put the work in. The Lord will bless it. You don't have to be impressive, brother. Um, those of you who blog, brothers, sisters, you, you, you don't have to be, um, impressive. Um, you, you just have to be you and you have to be open to what, um, uh, the Lord has done for you and be genuine about that. Mm. Remember that it's the gospel that saves, not our, uh, adorning of it, not our creativity, 
Um, we'll finish with this little anecdote, and you can tell me as a Spurgeon scholar if this is correct or not, but is I'm it no where Spurgeon's scholar. grandfather was preaching because Spurgeon was late? This is probably a story that happened to someone else that got attributed to Spurgeon. <laughs> this is probably an instance of plagiarism. But yeah. the grandfather was preaching in Spurgeon's stead because he, he was late arriving, and he began going. And when, when Charles finally got there, he said, here comes my illustrious grandson or something like that. He can preach the gospel better than I can. But he cannot preach a better gospel. Uh, I don't know Charles. if that's true, but that's a okay. good word. It's a famous, it's a famous story. Yeah. So it's true. There may be people out there. There are people out there. Let's just say that there are people out there who can preach the gospel better than you, but nobody can preach a better gospel. Amen. So let's finish on that note. Thank you for listening. Give us a good review on any platform that you listen to this podcast on. Uh, share us with your friends. And as always, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.